the Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. Pastor Ashton, I've been watching him for the last several years uh, communicate both at camps and in our district, and now as our youth pastor, just watching him communicate with our teens and joining them on a live stream a couple of times, I am blessed by God's ability uh, to speak through him. And Pastor Ashton opening up his heart and saying, I want to be used. I want to be one of those mouthpieces. I want to be a mouthpiece for God. So this morning, he's going to be talking to us from Matthew chapter 14. Would you open up your Bibles right now? Open up to Matthew chapter 14. I want you to read this story with me. I'm going to read this story. I'm kind of get us get us launched. Uh, so kind of bon voyage. Uh, I'm going to get us launched into this story this morning. So Matthew chapter 14. This is Jesus walking on water. Notice it doesn't say Peter. That's not how it opens up. Peter walking on water. It's Jesus walking on water. Watch this. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. Listen to the scripture. Immediately after this, right? That's Jesus had just fed 5,000 people. Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and that they would cross over to the other side of the lake while he sent all the people home. And after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night falls, and while he is still there all alone. Watch this, verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples are in trouble far away from land because a strong wind had risen, and they're fighting the heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, that is bad news right there, right? Jesus comes toward them, walking on the water. And when the disciples see him walking on the water, they're freaking out. They are terrified. In their fear, they scream out, it's a ghost! But Jesus speaks to them at once. Oh, beloved, I hope you hear this this morning. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he begins to sink. Save me, Lord! Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God. And after they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gisenaret. And when the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area. And soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe. And all who touched him were healed. Thank you so much, Pastor Marty, for reading that scripture. I'm so excited to be with you guys here this morning. My name is Ashton Fish. I am your youth pastor. At the beginning of this year, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. I actually went away with my wife 
And we were praying, and actually we were praying about coming here to the sanctuary. We were praying about what, what light ahead. And actually, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Ashton, Matthew 14. That was the scripture. That was the, the place God had for us. And also Hebrews 12, 1. And so I just want to share what the Lord put on my heart at the beginning of the year. You know, I was transitioning. I'm still transitioning from my district job, my normal day job. And I felt like the Lord said this, Ashton, 2020 is going to be the hardest year of your life. And I was actually talking to a staff member like, hey, Ashton, we wish you would have told that to the whole congregation before this whole COVID thing happened. But I really believe God was giving me direction. And as I've been soaking in this scripture, as I've been looking at these two scriptures in Matthew 14 and Hebrews 12, I really believe that this is a scripture, not just for me, but it's a scripture for you. And so I want to go into that this morning. And this is what it says here in Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I believe that God is saying to his church today, that we are to throw off the things that are hindering us right now, that the sin that has entangled us, the fear, the, the problems that COVID has brought, all of this heaviness, are you feeling it with me? All this stuff, we're to throw it off. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God is speaking life over us. And I know just like you, I felt that pressure and that weight, that those hindrances, that sin that's entangling. And I believe that God wants to bring freedom to you today, that he wants to give you the, the strength to persevere the race that he's marked out for you. And so this morning, before I get into our message all the way, can we just pray right now, wherever we're at, at home, you might be on vacation somewhere, you might be on your couch, but can we pray right now that the Holy Spirit would illuminate his word and speak to us today? Let's pray together. God, we are dependent on you. Lord, we're human beings, and that means we're frail, and that means we can be taken over by fear and by sin. It's part of our broken nature. But Jesus, you came to give us strength to overcome. And so this morning, God, would you pour out your spirit upon all people? Would you transcend all the airwaves right now, Holy Spirit? And would you speak to our hearts? God, would you set us free this morning? I pray for whatever heaviness is on us, whatever sin that's trying to entangle. In the name of Jesus, leave right now. And I pray freedom for your people because we're a different people. We're a Jesus people. And we follow you today in Jesus' name. And they all said, amen, amen. In my life, I've found it really hard to persevere. I've, hard, I've found it really hard to be faithful in my life. I'm one of those people that I love to start things, but it's hard to finish. For example, right now I've been working on a book for 10 years on balance. But unfortunately, I haven't found the balance yet to write the book. You get what I'm saying? Right now I have 262 books on my Kindle that I've started but not completed. Anybody else? I probably have about 90 devotionals throughout my life that I've started but I haven't completed. Am I speaking to anybody else this morning that it's hard, right? It's easy to start. It's hard to finish. It's hard to persevere. It's hard to go through those challenges and make it all the way to the end. And that's what I believe God is calling us to today. In fact, I have three more fun examples for you this morning. You can check it out. The first one on the screen is this, my garage. Anybody else that you wish that your garage was clean right now? That you promised, we just moved in in May, right? And it's already getting dirty. And it's like, oh gosh, I gotta go out there. The next thing is, is my office storage. Oh yeah, I'll just throw a couple papers up there, babe. It's gonna be okay. And then all of a sudden, it's just messy. And, and my wife is still, she's watching it. She's like, this is gonna be proof now that you need to do all this stuff. Dang it. I'm catching myself. The other one is this, the baby gate, right? We have 11 month old and this baby gate has been there for two weeks, people. 
And do you notice the chair that is keeping my effort going up the stairs right now? I just want to say, those are just pictures of my life. I'm just letting you in on my, my messiness. I'm broken just like you. And I have a hard time persevering. I have a hard time just being faithful in some things in my life. And that's why we need Jesus. And that's why I believe that we're going to look at the story today of Jesus walking on water and Jesus calling us to be faithful and to persevere. I'm here to challenge us as a church to stay faithful to Jesus, to stay faithful to his word, to stay faithful to the dreams that you have and that God has put in your heart. God's not done with us. He's just beginning. He's just beginning. And so let's go to that story here in Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. And I just want to go through this for a few minutes. Just go through the scripture and see what God might be saying to us. You'll notice in verse 22, it says, immediately after this, and Pastor Marty alluded to it. So this is the context. Immediately after this, well, what happened? Jesus had just fed 5,000 people. He was doing miracles. But something before that happened, if you look at Matthew 14, John the Baptist had just been beheaded and killed. So this shows the context of this. This is a very dark time for Jesus. This is his nephew. This is, or sorry, this is his cousin, and his cousin had just passed away, and there was something so heavy on Jesus' heart. And so this shows the context of where Jesus was at. And here's what Jesus knew, and this is why I believe he went up on the mountain to pray, and he sent his disciples ahead of you. Have you wondered why? Why didn't Jesus go with him? I believe Jesus had a heavy heart. He was going through something heavy at that moment. His cousin had just died. And in that moment, Jesus needed to go to the Father. He needed to, to surrender to the Father. But here's something you'll notice in the story. The story's all about crossing over the sea. God was about to do something. He was about to cross over. And if you'll notice in the Bible, before they cross over the Jordan, before they go over the Red Sea, God is about to do something significant. Church, catch it right now. God is about to do something significant in us. We are moving over to a new building. God is doing something. Right now with COVID-19, there is a, a, the past world and a new world ahead of us. God is calling us uniquely in this time to make an impact, to be salt and light to this world. And Jesus knew this. He knew that, wait a minute, John the Baptist was preparing the way for me, but wait a minute, he's gone. That means it's my time. He knew that when he was crossing over, his time had come, that he was going to go to the cross and die for our sins, an innocent man, an innocent God would die for our sins. Look at the context of what's happening. That's why Jesus might have stayed behind a little bit. And he sent his disciples over. Notice that the disciples had to listen to Jesus. Wouldn't that have been kind of a weird like, thing? Okay, Jesus, so wait, we're supposed to be following you, but you're saying stay behind, and now we're going to go over this, this lake. What's going on, right? They had to obey. Can I tell you this morning, obedience is the key. Obedience is the ground for your miracle today. Obedience is the ground for your miracle today. Saint Teresa of Avila said this. She was a 15th century Spanish noblewoman who gave away everything to follow Jesus. This is what she said. I know the power obedience has of making things easy, which seem impossible. God wants to work a miracle in us today. But obedience has to be the number one thing. It's the imperative. We have to be obedient. And that's what the disciples, you'll notice they did. They had to be obedient and go over You'll notice as soon as they go over, right, the winds start hitting them. It's a, it's a hard road. They're going, oh gosh, what's going on? And, and they're, they're getting these winds in their face and it's stopping them, their boat from going forward. And it's three o'clock in the morning and they're probably sitting there at 3 a.m. going, where the heck is Jesus? Can I pause right now for a second? 
Is anybody else in this season going, where the heck is Jesus? Is anybody else going, oh God, I, I look at the world, I see the racial tensions, I see the political tensions, I see the spirituals. Jesus, I need you. Where are you, Jesus? And they're feeling this way. Where is Jesus? Guess where Jesus is at? He's up on the mountain praying. Jesus is getting heavenly perspective. We need to remember this. Jesus has heavenly perspective. He sees what we don't see. But here's the faithfulness of God. Here's the faithfulness of who Jesus is. Jesus will leave his mountaintop to come down into our messed up place. He will always leave his high place to come to our low place. And that's what you see in this story. You see Jesus going from the top of the mountain, praying to God, having this conflict probably in his own soul about crossing over. But then he comes down to serve us. He comes down to be with us. He comes down to help us and rescue us. That's what Jesus does. He's in the business of rescuing and he can rescue you today no matter what you're in. He's still saving. He's still doing it. And then you see in the story, it's kind of crazy, right? That they're seeing Jesus come out on the, on the water and they get freaked out and they're terrified. I don't know about you. If it's 3 a.m., I'm with my disciples. And by the way, they're in a cramped place, not going anywhere. Anybody else feel that right now? Anybody feel like you might be in a cramped place, not going anywhere, right? Quarantine. And then they see Jesus and they freak out. And if it was me, I would have screamed like a little girl. I'm like, ah! I would be like, oh my gosh, Jesus. What is, what's going on? And actually, I would be praying for Jesus against Jesus, right? I'd be like, help me. And that's what the disciples were doing. Oh, I'm terrified of that person. They were freaking out. You know what, right now, I think that we may be freaking out at what Jesus is doing. We may not fully see all these things because get this, Jesus was actually with them in their fear. And Jesus is with us in our fear. He's not outside of our fear. He's in the midst of our fear and he's trying to rescue us, but we have to let him in. Are we going to let Jesus in to our fear, to that vulnerable place? Matthew 14, 26 through 27 says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, church, look at these words, underline them in your app, Look at them in the Bible. This is what Jesus says to the sanctuary church today. Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. I want to focus on these words of Jesus because I believe that they're going to unlock something right now. That if you have been in fear, if you're wondering where Jesus is, I believe that God is about to unlock something spiritually for you in your life. And I want us to focus on these things that Jesus said, these three things Jesus said. Number one, don't be afraid. In fact, you know what's funny? I first gave this sermon up at camp when we were stuck. And some of you parents know this. At winter camp this year, we got snowed in. We had two buses break down on us. It was literally one of the most frustrating things. And I'm just, some of you, here, you parents, you haven't heard the story. Like every 30 minutes, I thought the bus was coming and then another bus would break down. And we were just frustrated. And I have a bunch of teens, right? Awesome teens, but teens that are freaking out. And we're going, Jesus, where are you, right? And we're just going, what's going on right now? And this is the original context that I actually first wrote this message for was for our teens. And I think that that is so us, right? Fear can so easily crip, uh, cripple us. But we're not a people of fear. And at camp, guess what our verse was? Look at how faithful God is. He's already speaking his word. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Right now this morning, if you're in fear, 
Now, don't be in, in fear anymore. Be in God's love and his power. And he actually has a sound mind for you today. We are not a people of fear. But here's the thing. If we're not a people of fear, then who are we? I think that's the question that needs to be answered. And I think Jesus actually answers it with the two things that he says after he says, don't be afraid. In the original language, when he says this, take courage, take courage. The original language is this. It's a state of being. It's to be of good courage, be of good cheer, to be confident, hopeful, to be bold. Get this, maintain a bold bearing. Maintain a bold bearing. I believe that what Jesus was saying, hey guys, during this time, it's time to take heart, to take courage and take your own heart right now. You're responsible for taking your heart in the season and not letting it be in a season of fear. It's time to actually bold and, and do a bold bearing. We're actually bearing something as believers. It's not going to be easy. He's actually going to give us the courage to bear whatever is in front of us. That's what Jesus promises. He doesn't promise that there's going to be problems, right? He says, no, there's going to be problems, but I'm going to be with you in those, those problems. So take heart, take courage this morning. And then this, he says, it is I. This is an identity statement. It is I. This is the same statement that was found in Exodus 3.14 when God encountered Moses, right? And he says, I am who I am. What is God saying this moment? Hey, disciples, hey, church, for us today, I'm sovereign. I'm in control. I know the world might be crazy right now, but I'm still working in this. I'm still on the throne. I'm still the king of kings. I'm still the name above all names. I still have a purpose for you. He's saying, it is I in your situation right now. And again, it might, you might be going, God, oh, there's fear in this situation. Well, no, he's in us even with the fear. Take courage. It is I. And I love that even at the end of this, the disciples, once they really figure out it's Jesus, they, they worship him and say, truly, you are the son of God. They understood who he was and they worshiped him. See, this morning, I kind of want to flip this uh, scripture, the story on its head a little bit. I want to say that there might be another possible interpretation of this, right? The normal, typical interpretation here of Matthew 14, starting in 22, is this. It's a step of faith message, right? You got to have the faith to step out of the boat and walk on water, which I think is actually a great message. I was talking about obedience earlier. We need to be obedient, right? And, and take steps of faith. But I believe that this scripture for right now, God is actually saying something. He wants to show us another angle, right? It's like a diamond. You can see another angle of the beauty of this story. There's different facets of that story. And so I'm wondering if all along in this story, if it wasn't for Peter to get out of the boat, but what if the story was all about Peter staying in the boat? What if this story is about staying in the boat? And that's in fact why my sermon title is Stay in the Boat. And I want to go through a few of these scriptures right now to see, just dissect a little bit in the scriptures, see this possible other perspective. Because I believe that right now, church, right now is a time for us to stay in the boat. Right now, God is saying, hey, I got you. I'm sending you over. We're going to cross over together. Something new is coming, but I need you to stay in the boat. And I'm going to be with you in the boat. Trust me, go on ahead. I'm going to be with you. I love that in this story, you'll find that Peter is right, freaked out about Jesus. He thinks he's a ghost. But then when he realizes he's Jesus, he says this, Lord, tell me to come to you on the water. And I love that that, that, that statement is kind of like a rhetorical question. Like, is that you? Tell me to come out. What is Jesus supposed to say, right? Um, it's not me. I'm not Jesus. Like, no, Jesus is saying, no, I, yeah, it's me. I guess, yeah, come out on to the water. And then he comes out on the water. 
and then the wind hits him, and then he falls down. But you'll notice this. You'll notice it's only when Jesus gets in the boat with Peter that the wind and the storm dies down. I think the wind is a key in this story. I think that if we look at the wind, the wind was out there when Peter was walking on water, but as soon as Peter and Jesus get in the boat, the wind stops. And I wonder if Jesus is saying, hey, why did you doubt me? Why did, where is your faith? I wonder if it was, hey, why did you doubt that I was Jesus? Couldn't you just trust me in the boat? Couldn't you trust me in your circumstances? Couldn't you trust me in the storm? Would you just stay there? I was coming to you. I was rescuing you, Peter, but you were trying to fabricate. You were trying to come out and do your own thing. You know, right now, I feel like that's a picture of my own heart and what I'm seeing out in the world today. That, that even sometimes I'm finding, I'm trying to find the answer, right? And I'm saying certain things and I'm posting certain things and I'm going, wait a minute, I need to go to Jesus. I need to stop, you know, going over here and going over there and looking at this news source and that news source. No, I need to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. And I think in this time, that's our temptation. Our temptation is to be Peter, is to jump out of the boat. But beloved, I'm telling you this morning, Jesus is coming. He's coming for us. He's going to deliver us. He's going to save us. Just stay in the boat. Be faithful. I know it's hard, beloved. I know it's hard right now. I know everything's distracting you, and, and you want the quick fix. You want the silver bullet. But can I tell you, Jesus is with us even in the fear. He's with us, and he's trying to get into our boat. Allow him to come in. I believe that that's what this story is saying. See, what's interesting in history of the Bible, you'll notice that Moses, Joshua, Elijah, Elisha, they all parted the ways through the seas, right? Moses at the Red Sea, and then the, some of these prophets here, they actually put their staff in the Jordan, and the Jordan opened up. But here's what Old Testament scholars would say. The only person that could walk on water was actually God himself. And you'll notice that from Genesis 1, verse 2, it said that God trotted upon or hovered above or walked upon the waters in creation, and so as I looked in, in history, church history, other scriptures, there's actually no other scripture of anybody else walking on the Bible. This is the only scripture of somebody walking on water. And you'll notice that in 2,000 years, I looked for it. There's no story that I can find of somebody from some far distant place or even here in the States that said, oh yeah, I walked on water before. And so I think that these might be some, some hints for us that maybe the story isn't just talking about stepping on faith, which I think it, it can be, and that's a good interpretation. But I think there might be this other one. You know, when I was in my early 20s, I was a youth pastor in the Antelope Valley. And I was like totally just all out for Jesus. It was all faith. I didn't really have any education right behind it, but I was just like just impassioned for Jesus. And I remember one night I wrote a song on my guitar and I'm like, I want to walk on water, right? And I'm like singing this song and it totally sounds like an early 2000s worship song, right? And I was like, I want to walk on water. And so I'm like singing this song. And so I go, you know what? I can walk on water. And so I go out in my parents' pool. I spent 30 minutes doing this. <laughs> going right in the water. And I mean, I did everything, right? I was praying. I'm like, God, I, I believe right now I can just, in Jesus' name. Uh, and I'd fall off. And then, oh Lord, but this time, I'm going to pray in tongues. I'm going to get extra spiritual. And then boom. And then even further in the water. I mean, I was like, God, why can't I walk on water? But see, this is what I think, church, the scripture is teaching us again. That Jesus is with us. That Jesus is the one that only can walk on water. That in ourselves, in our own abilities, in our own talents, and even in our own faith, we can't do it. We need Jesus. 
And I wonder right now in America in this time that we're relying on what we've done in the past and, and all the things that we have and, and our buildings and our, and our Christian spirituality. And we're relying on all this stuff. And, and, and Jesus is like, guys, I'm over here. I'm coming to you. Would you just stay in the boat? Would you have faith? Would you trust my word? I'm coming for you. I got your back. I have a plan. I know what I'm doing. So this morning for us to take heart, to resist fear and be faithful to God, I want us to focus on these four things. I just want to go through these teaching points really quickly. Number one is this. When you know your identity in Christ, you will live hopeful and maintain a bold bearing. When you know your identity in Christ, you will live hopeful and maintain a bold bearing. See, we understand from the story that they had to understand who Jesus was. They had to know their identity. I mentioned earlier that I have been serving up at camps, and actually I think Marty did. For uh, eight years now, I've been at camps. The number one problem that I see with young people every single year is they don't know their identity in Christ. If I had to say one problem for every student, thousands of students that I've helped and ministered to, and my team has, all of us have ministered to, we are always constantly going back to identity. You know what I'm hearing from students? I'm not good enough. I am a mistake. I'm worthless. I'm screwed up. But can I tell you, no, our identity is not in what we've done. Our identity is what Christ has done on the cross and what he did on the cross. And here's the thing. Our identity is in Jesus. That means that we are justified by Christ. And I love this. My dad taught me this. Justified just as if I'd never sin. God has justified you. Know who you are. Hey, disciples, don't lose your faith. You're my followers. Know who you are. Even in the midst of the storm, don't freak out. God's still doing something. Know that I'm with you. Know who you are. You know, our identity is this, that we never detach. We never detach that Christ lives in and through our lives. That's what our identity is, that Jesus is constantly with us because he is his spirit. He sent his Holy Spirit to live in us. That's why we have our identity in Christ. And so I want to encourage you today to keep your identity in Christ. And, and here's, the, here's a, a real quick test is how do you see yourself right now? If you look at yourself, church, how are you looking at yourself? Are you being critical? Are you putting yourself down? Are you saying some of these statements like, oh, I'm not good enough. I don't know if God could use me. I've screwed up here. Can I tell you, your identity isn't in Christ. You need to start looking at yourself the way that God sees you today. His justified son or daughter of God, his beloved God is doing something in your life, but you have to believe that too. You have to take on that identity in Christ. You have to have that, that identity to bear boldly into hope. Because remember, hope is not in ourselves right now. If we're looking to ourselves in this whole COVID thing, or, oh yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna make it because of this and our human power and our human might. No, our hope comes from God. <laughs> it's only when our hope is in God, when our identity is in God, that we can, bold bear, uh, we can uh, bear boldly. The second point is this, resist the temptation to take shortcuts or to bail overboard. Resist the temptation to take shortcuts and to, bear, and to, uh, to bail overboard. You know what I found in my life? That the mundane, the everyday, the journey is, what, is where God is shaping me most. I've had camp experience. I've led camps. I've got to preach at a bunch of our churches. You know where I find God shaping me? It's in those scary, hard moments in the boat. And I think our temptation, it's been my temptation in my life, going, God, save me. God, rescue me. I'm going to jump out. And this is what I found. Every shortcut that I take actually takes longer. Anybody else? Every shortcut you've ever taken, when God says to do this, and you go, oh, okay, God, I'm just going to fudge on this and go this way, it actually takes longer. And here's this. If you ever make special deals, get ready for special problems. 
you know, we have this temptation to make these special deals. And I've even done this in business in my life. I was actually taught by somebody, a mentor that said, Ashton, never make that special deal. That's always going to come back and bite you. And I think that's our temptation right now is to look out, to jump out. Maybe this church has that or their live stream has this or that community has that. And it's like, no, God has called you to be here in this community. Let's journey together. Let's get in the boat together. God's with us. Keep fighting. Let's keep going together. The third point is this. God is more concerned with your faithfulness rather than your happiness. God is more concerned with your faithfulness rather than your happiness. And I'm not trying to give you a downer sermon right now, right? I'm not trying to be you or like, in Christ, our lives really stink and every day is not good. And I'm so sorry that we're going through such a rough time, right? I'm not trying to be an Eeyore Christian right now. But what I'm trying to tell you is this, is that God is more concerned with our faithfulness than our happiness, Happiness is a gift. Gosh, God, it gives so many great things in our life that are happy. But guess what? Happiness is temporary. See, here's the key. Faithfulness is the key. It's in the long suffering, the long nights, where we begin to see the growth in our hearts. It's faithfulness that produces in our lives fruitfulness. It's faithfulness in our lives that produces fruitfulness. Look into this quote from, this quote from Les Brown. Les Brown said this, The graveyard is the richest place on earth. Because it is here where you'll find the hopes and dreams that were never fulfilled, the books that were never written, the songs that were never sung, the inventions that were never shared, the cures that were never discovered, all because someone was too afraid to take that first step, keep with the problem, or determined to carry out their dreams. I want to encourage you today that faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. And right now, I really felt, this is something that as I was praying this morning, the Holy Spirit said this to say to somebody out there right now. There's a dream that you've let go that God wants to wake up today. That there's something inside of you that you have just kind of been tired and life has happened to you and you've let go of that dream. Can I tell you, God wants to wake up that dream inside of you again today. God wants to give you that passion to keep going forward because you are valuable for the kingdom of God the fourth point is this. Obedience is not just the first step. It's running the whole marathon. Obedience is not just the first step. It's running the whole marathon. And here's the truth. You know why we step out in obedience? Because this obedience is not blind. And what I mean by this this morning is this. I know the faithfulness of my God. I can step out and I can go into the storm. I, I can go, Jesus, you know what? Yeah, I don't think it's a good idea that you stay over there and we go out here. There's wind right now. You know, there was fishermen, right? There were disciples. I don't know, Jesus, if these are the ideal conditions. But you know what, Jesus? Because you are faithful. And I've seen the goodness of you, Jesus. I'm gonna get in the boat. And Jesus, I'm gonna keep going forward. And even though I'm terrified and I feel like I'm in the middle of a lake right now, Jesus, you are faithful and I will obey. Church, I'm telling you that we need to be faithful in this season. Trust the God who sent you out will be the God that will bring you back in today. I'll say it one more time. Trust that the God who sent you out will be the God that will bring you back in today. Church, he is faithful. We have his word. His word is faithful. It's never failed. We have Jesus, right? God sent his son. He's faithful. He endured the cross and he's with us today. God is faithful. So we can obey even when it doesn't look like the things that we want right now in our lives. I want to go now back to Hebrews 12, but I want to read the second and the third verse along with the first verse because I believe it makes sense in this moment. 
Hebrews 12, 1 through 13. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And I love this, verse two, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse three, underline this. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let me read that one more time. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary, church. Beloved, and lose heart. This morning, take heart. Jesus is with us. Don't be afraid. That is what God is speaking to us. And so this morning, I wanna ask you, what has been hindering you? What has been hindering you? Has it been watching the news too much? Well, stop watching the news too much. Has it been social media? Has it been going off left when God's saying, no, go straight? What's been hindering you? Maybe it's old patterns and beliefs and things that that you just need to let go. What's hindering us? And it can even be good things. It can even be good things that are hindrances. It can be the thing, oh yeah, that's good, but that's keeping me actually from doing what God said. So I need to let, let go of that. I need to throw that off. What is the sin that is entangling you? I love that it says this, therefore, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, and my Bible, um, some of my Bible professors would always say, hey, whenever you see therefore, look what it's there for, right? So when we see uh, in Hebrews um, 12.1, we see therefore, and you look back at Hebrews 11, and it, it's the whole um, hall of fame of faith, right? It's all the people that had faith in God. This was the cloud of witnesses that we referenced, that their faith was larger than their circumstances, that they actually saw Um, They actually had more faith in what they saw and outcomes in their life. Let me put it this way. They planted more seeds than the fruit than they saw in their life. They planted more seeds than the fruit that they actually saw in their life. That is what God is calling us to be in this season. See, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 has a really significant place in my heart. This scripture has been carrying me through years, and God reminded me again, say, this is your scripture for the year, Ashton. Because what happened was, um, in the darkest time of my life, September 21st, 2013, my father passed away from cancer. And it was during this really dark season of my life. My dad was my hero. He was my pastor. We served in ministry together on, at his church and at another church. We loved each other. And I miss my dad so dearly to this day. But in the darkest season of my life, this scripture was helping me because it said, there's a cloud of witnesses There's something beyond this. Ashton, what you see right now in this world is broken, it's messed up, but fix your eyes on Jesus. There's something greater. In fact, I was at camp, and when I was at camp, um, I was overseen, and my dad had just passed away, and I'll be honest with you, I wanted to quit my job. I just didn't want to do anything. I don't know if you've ever been like that before. You've been the leader of something, and you've just gone through something so hard, right? And you just want to, like, just bounce out, but you know you got to keep going, right? You got to persevere. You got to stay in the boat. And I remember what they did was they said, hey, Ashton, I need you to go to the sanctuary. We're having a situation. So I'm like, oh my gosh. So I run over the sanctuary. What's going on? And it's a little boy worshiping on his knees. And I'm going, what's the situation right now? Why, why am I coming here? Well, he's been here for a half an hour and we can't get him to move. And we're supposed to go to activities. And I said, okay, that's kind of weird. Let me, go, let me go talk to him. So I go up to this little boy. He's on his knees. He's looking at the top of the sanctuary and he's quoting Old Testament scriptures. He's going, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. And I, and at that moment, I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like this moment, I get on my knees and I'm going, uh, we're in the presence of God. 
I don't know if you've ever been there before, right? You might be having that bad day and all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm in the presence of God. I need to recognize God's presence. And he goes, Ashton, God is speaking right now. I actually see an angel. And I'm going, and I remember I look up and I'm going, I don't see an angel. (laughs) But he sees an angel. Okay, cool. And I'm like, okay, awesome. What was the angel saying? He goes, the angel has a message for you. I go, oh, okay, yeah, angel in the Bible means messenger. It makes sense. You know, this is in line with scripture. You're, you're, you're saying scripture. Okay, cool. And I, now, right, I'm this like, director of the camp, and now this kid is totally leading me into God's throne room. And he says, he's coming down. Do you want to hear what he has to say? And I remember looking at him and saying, yes, I want to hear what he has to say. And this kid does not know my situation. I'm in the background of this camp. And he says, Ashton, your dad is okay. Your dad is okay. And Jesus says, it's going to be okay. And at that moment, I began to weep and to break, and he began to speak over other people's lives in that room. Church, can I tell you right now, whatever we're going through, Jesus is on the throne. We're going to be okay. And that Jesus says this morning, take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. And whatever sin and whatever thing has been tangling around you, whatever hindrance has been around you, can I encourage you this morning that there is a heavenly perspective, that there is a cloud of witnesses, that God has the power to save you today. And all you have to do is come to Jesus. And better said from the context of our story, let Jesus come into your boat. And so now in this moment, I want us to respond to Jesus today. Because some of you out there, you're not okay. You're struggling. You're, you're going through this whole season. You're going, Jesus, where are you? You feel like you're on a boat by yourself right now in the middle of a lake, in the middle of a storm. And can I tell you today, Jesus wants to come in that fear and he wants to come give you peace and he wants to come give you life this morning. And all you have to do is open up your heart to Jesus. So I'm gonna make two calls this morning. Number one, this is a call f- for people out there to be faithful to Jesus. And I'm making this commitment with you. It's time for you to throw off the hindrances and the sin that's been easily entangling you. And this is a rough thing. I know it's hard and I know it seems really simple. Just say, hey, just throw it off. But here's the action point. This week, go to a trusted person and let them know whatever has been hindering you and whatever sin may be in your life. And I guarantee in that moment, God will start to bring healing. It's when we're in community that God will bring healing. So this week, if you need to get challenged to come back to Jesus, to be faithful to Jesus, I want you to talk to somebody. And it's that simple. It really is this week. Just sharing your heart saying, hey, this is something that I need to start working on. The second thing is this, that you need to receive Jesus for the first time. That right now, you don't even know if Jesus is your Lord and is your Savior that you've maybe been doubting, you maybe have had your faith in other things. But I want to encourage you this morning, Jesus is faithful. He's still rescuing. And right now is your moment. Right now is your time to throw it off and to receive his blessing, to let Jesus come into your boat. And I know that that's an intimate thing. I know that's a hard thing. It's saying, Jesus, I want you into my brokenness. Jesus, I want you into my pain. Jesus, I want you into my sin. Jesus, I need you. I'm, vo- I'm making myself vulnerable to say, I need you, Lord. And I want to encourage you this morning to make that step. And here's how we're going to do that in just a minute. Actually, well, first, before we text, do the text. I want to pray for you if that's you out there right now. If you're saying, hey, I need Jesus and I want him to come into my boat. I need his peace. Even in the midst of the fear, even in the midst of the storm, just to come in. I want to pray for you. So let me pray for you if that's you out there right now. God, I thank you so much 
that you loved us and that you sent your son to die for us. But Jesus, you have given us a new identity, a new way of living, a new life that we're no longer defined by ourselves or our sin. We're defined by what you've done on the cross. And so right now, wherever people are at right now in this day of a live stream and quarantine, God, you can reach. You're still saving and reaching in Jesus. You're personal and you can come right now to those people. And so God, would they cry out to you and just say, Jesus, I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again for my sins so that I can have a new life, that I can cross over and become that new person you called me to be in Jesus' name.